You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Carol. Carol is an octogenarian, and she's contemplating her lifespan. Her daughter Beth will also be joining us in the studio today. We'll be right back with Carol, but first let's talk about negativity. This has been a challenging month. I'm not sure why, but I've been struggling with trying to put more positivity in my life, which means really looking at the negativity that I have in my life. And it comes from me and the relationships I've built over the last four years. At some point in my depression, I got into a really negative pattern of thinking of just feeling down about a lot of things. And I've read up a little bit. That's quite normal, but I want to, I'm feeling better and I want to stay feeling better. And I want to get out of a cycle of negative thoughts, but I found that I've not just my own negative thoughts, but I've built a lot of relationships where negativity, my negativity and theirs and ours is part of the relationship. And I'm struggling to find some ways of bringing more positivity into my life and asking the people around me to work with me with that, that I want to have more positive interactions and more positive thoughts. And I hope you all know what I mean. It's, it's not like terrible things, but just un, un, undoing my day of just like being able to say, I had a really crappy day. I struggled with this. I'm feeling down. I don't feel well. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on and I'm frustrated. And those unloading of feelings really is helpful and has been very helpful in my process of depression of like being honest about things and talking about how I'm really feeling. But it's also put me in a pattern of negativity of like not seeing a lot of positive. And I'm a pretty optimistic person in general in my life. And it's been hard to stay optimistic when every day feels like a downer. And so I'm just struggling with ways of making things more positive in my life without forcing other people to change how they are. So I looked up an article, it's called from Everyday Health. It's called Depression, How to Challenge Negative Thinking. And I'll just read some from the introduction. Depression can be so challenging in part because it alters your general way of thinking. Although a person who does ha- doesn't have depression will have a normal mix of positive and negative thoughts each day, having depression tends to make you filter the world through negative thoughts to the point that it distorts your reality and your overall outlook on life. Instead of seeing the glass as half full, you may see it as empty. Simon Rago, P- Psych D., director of psychology training at Montefiore Medical Center and assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral health sciences at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York City, has seen this negative thinking overwhelm people. The problem, he says, is that people with depression get caught in a dangerous spiral where depression leads to negative thinking and negative thinking makes them even more depressed. 
to get a handle on depression symptoms such as negative thinking. Try exercises that retrain your brain. Keep in mind that it's generally not healthy to push negative thoughts out of your head entirely, but what you can do is acknowledge them and even write them down if need be, and then try to step back and assess them logically so you can reframe them more positively. So I talk to some loved ones saying, I, I want to be more positive. I feel like I've gotten into a negative cycle and a negative relationship with you, which has been helpful. And I thank you for letting me unload, but I'm in a negative space. And the reaction has been both positive and negative of like acknowledging that. And then also saying, are you saying I'm negative? <laughs> Sorry, I've been negative and feeling some blame. And I've, I want it to be something where, you know, we can still talk about negative things, but that we put some positive things into our lives as well. So I talked to my mom about it. I talked to my boyfriend about it and I feel supported and also that it's hard. It's a hard thing to change a pattern to, you know, it's, it's, I find myself just slipping back into negative talk with friends and negative talk with my loved ones. So I'm kind of making a commitment that I'm going to put positive things into each day, but allow the negative things to be. I really like that idea of like, it's not healthy to push negative thoughts out of your head, but acknowledge them and let them pass. And then make it a really concerted effort to bring positive things into my life at the same time. And I'll just end with a quote by Hafiz. It's from a, a poem called, we, we Have Not Come to Take Prisoners. And I'll, I'll read the whole poem. We have not come here to take prisoners, but to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come to this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run like hell, my dear, from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred, tender vision of your beautiful heart. We have a duty to befriend those aspects of obedience that stand outside of our house and to shout to rear reason, Oh, please, oh, please, come out and play. For we have not come here to take prisoners or to combine our wondrous spirits but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light. That's how I feel. I want to go out and play. I want to feel divine courage, freedom, and light. I hope that my thoughts on optimism and negativity help you in your day. Thank you. Today we have with us in the studio, Carol. Carol is coming up on her 87th birthday, and she's been thinking a lot about her lifespan. Her daughter, Beth, will also be joining us in the studio today. And she's joining us today. Hello, yeah. Carol. Welcome to the Depression Session. Laura. <laughs> hey, glad to have you at my house. You are welcome. It's so nice you. to be here. And you're talking about my depression. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm depressed. And I think, why not? Because I'm taking depression pills, anti-depression pills. I take lorazepam. Citalopram, <laughs> you know, all the PAMs that uh, keep me mellow. And uh, and I like it. I bet, you know, that's good. I, I would much rather feel like I feel than be depressed. And I remember I was seeing my uh, lung doctor rather than my GP one time. And he said, uh, I had my husband with me. And... Uh, 
when he was questioning me about different aspects of my breathing, because I have COPD, he said something about, you know, how, how, do you, how do you feel mentally? And I said, I feel okay. And, uh, and, and my husband said, uh, no, she really doesn't. And he interjected it a lot. And the doctor said, just let Carol talk. He ended up putting me on an antidepressant because, I think, he felt I would have to be depressed, married to whom I was married to, <laughs> who was a, a, a taskmaster, had tons of energy. So anyway, I take antidepressant, and uh, when I go to sleep at night, I do, I think about the medications I take, and... I like the way I feel, and I'm glad that I'm alive. And I'm, I'm wondering, I wonder if I'm not going to live to 90. Do I want to live to 90? My dad wanted to live to 100. You got to 94. I thought, I don't think I want to live to 94. And then I think, well, if I'm in pretty good shape, why not? Well, what's good shape? I don't walk around the block, but I sure walk around with my walker. I love to read. I love to watch TV. Not particularly active, but I'm alert. And I like to cook a little bit. Thank God I have my daughter and her husband living with me and taking care of all my needs. I mean, I, this beats going into any assisted living place. I'm, I'm really, I'm feeling very thankful. And I thank God a lot for that. I do pray, not every night, but sometimes. And uh, I figure there has to be a God, and I'm getting a lot of help from him. I like to think that anyway. So, depression. I'm not depressed. Do you think you were before he prescribed the medication? I think I was. Yeah. I can remember crying. For that medication, I would cry. Invariably, my husband and I would have an argument because I would say any complaints I had or telling them about spending too much money just before he was going out the door to work. And, and that's because I didn't want to get in an argument and he'd have to go. And I said it was a real ploy and it was terrible. And, uh, and then I would be depressed and, and scared for when he came home because we'd have to talk about it. So, yeah, I did go through depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think anxiety creates depression. Yeah, I've, I've, had, um, I've had my share of it, but, you know, I've, I've, it's never made me bedridden or anything. And, and I think I'm a pretty jovial enjoy enjoyment seeking person i have nice friends not a whole lot but a few nice ones and i don't even seek them out much anymore because of family because of having so much family with me now and my son lives nearby he comes up and visits quite often or he calls me at least once a day and i have a granddaughter who calls me almost every evening so I, I feel taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your story. You're welcome. I wanted to ask a few more <laughs> things about it. Like, I think that 
you're in a, such a unique position, you know, as far as like people I've interviewed on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is 74, mm-hmm. so she's probably the oldest person I've interviewed for the show. And I thought it was really interesting what you were saying before we started recording about kind of contemplating your age, your lifespan. And what do you think about? I think that's interesting. I think about once in a while, I think about, am I doing enough? Well, Carol, I mean, you're not going to get out there on your hands and knees and start digging in the garden. You can't do that anymore. I used to love that. And and, and the kids will have ideas. They have a table that they want me to to uh, do um, little pieces of glass on, decorate it. Like they, a mosaic? Mosaic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at that out my bedroom window and I think, <laughs> I don't need to be doing that now. What do I want to do? I love to read. And I think, well, what's reading? It's escaping. Escaping into other stories. But so what? That's going to movies is. Mm-hmm. That's what talking to other people is. It's uh, looking at different viewpoints. And, and I like what I do. I like what I eat. I like my daughter around on occasion, not a lot, because she, sometimes she gets, you know, directorial with me. At least I think so. And, and, uh, and I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be told what to do or not to do. Mm-hmm. And I have another daughter coming to visit me this week. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, what she has in store. I think she's going to be, the one who's going to say, let's go, Mom. Come on, let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. She's going to be uh, on the run with Mom. <laughs> and I think, no, I don't know. I'm up to that. And I thought, well, she could take me up to Mount Lemon, up to the top. And I thought, this was last night. I could go up to Mount Lemon, and I'll sit there in the car. And she'll say, let's take a little hike. Nothing. I can't take a hike. How am I going to take a hike? I you know, lug my oxygen machine with me. I can't do it. She's not going to do it. No, because you've talked to her. Because <laughs> you've talked to her. <laughs> she knows where you're at. Okay. <laughs> it could have just, you know, right now, I could I could get teary. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I could cry right now. I just let myself, but I won't. It goes way back in time, but not to my, not to my uh, primary family, to my marriage family. Well, my primary family was my dad was my shining light. Uh, he he was remarkable. My mom was ill. She had TB. She was in a sanitarium a lot, or had to rest. And just didn't have the energy. So I never knew my mom really well. Because I couldn't just... But she did have depression, your mom. Oh, I'm sure she must have. She must have, yeah. Yeah, but Dad was a go-gung-ho guy. And uh, he would take me downtown to, to nightclubs where they had great jazz. And he would get the band guy to come over 
have a drink at the table. I couldn't drink, you know, I'm not 14 to 16. He'd get autographs for me from everybody. And he, I mean, you know, he was fulfilling his fun, but giving it to me too, you know. Because yeah. you didn't really get to have it with your My mom, no. Either. No, you say, Addie, you want to go down town with us? No, 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 no. No, you take care. Go on down with care and have fun. And and, uh, and we did. So did. that made a super bond for mom with her dad. Yeah, yeah. Super really bond. close. And he, he liked my, my girlfriends. He could be just as goofy with my friends. I mean, he, he would, he'd put good music on in the living room and he'd start dancing with me or with Marsha and he'd be dancing all over the thing by himself and he'd jump up on the couch and dance along the couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he's something. He would get as silly as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great father. And problematic, poor mama, and didn't live past uh, 74, like your mom. Mm-hmm. Well, I can relate to that. I mean, I, I my depression, and I've had depression before, but this round of it mm-hmm. started when my dad died. Because mm-hmm. we were buddies, we were friends. Here you go. Talked to him every every week and sometimes more, and if I had a problem, he was the one who I called. And I realize you saying that you were talking about your husband, like you you'd had a good relationship with your dad, but maybe a hard one with your husband. And I, I keep thinking that my dad set a really high standard for men. Yeah, you know, for me, for my life. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? Do you relate to that at all? Oh yeah. You know. Well, he wanted that, and he. I remember him sitting down with my soon-to-be husband, like the night before the wedding. And someone took a photograph of them talking so seriously about, you know, is this going to be good? Are you going to treat her all right? Are you sure it's the right thing to do? And his brother also talked to him, Uncle Joe, because Uncle Joe had been divorced. We have a picture of them talking behind the garage before the the garden wedding. It's so serious. You know, so, right. Giving him a talking to. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so usually my relationship with men falls a little short of my expectations. Mm-hmm. Because I really think it's because my dad was so sweet to me my whole life. And I think everyone should think I'm wonderful. And you are. <laughs> But men sometimes, you know, if you're in a relationship with them, they don't think you're quite as wonderful as your father did. That's always, I think it can be a special bond. I just thought, oh, God, I really married a tough guy here. But no no way would I think about divorce. I mean, I thought about it, but don't do that. Not in those days. Yeah. And I remember my mom saying, you know, that's the possibility you can get a divorce. And I said, I, I, I couldn't. I'd be so embarrassed. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was such an icky thing. So you you used to come and get a massage a week from 
when I first moved here. That was in 95. And that went on for two years. And you used to cry in my arms. Or Dad did. You I did. came for a massage. Yeah, I hear that. But I remember you telling me that Dad cried. He went to you once. I'm talking about you. All right. But I don't remember crying. I held you in the backyard in the grass. I held you in the massage table. I mean, it happened a lot. You wow. were very unhappy in your marriage. Man, have I blanked that one out. <laughs> Isn't it? Or, or the little white pills have, you know. So I don't really know. But, you know, sometimes things get just put aside and they don't really get all the way dealt and acknowledged. And in a way, if you could just feel like it was okay to say that and that the people around you would accept that and be okay with it, you know, the anxiety about the pain of that time could yeah. probably go away. I don't think I feel it anymore. So long ago. I don't think you tell your girlfriends that you weren't happy in your marriage. Or Deb and Rob. Well, I'll never say it was a happy marriage. No. Right. And your doctor gave you those little helpers. Yeah. Because of Dad. Right. And that was his idea. He saw it without... Because he saw that you weren't going to leave. Mm -hmm. Or do anything to change it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to stay there and you're going to stay unhappy, mm -hmm. then you better have some help. Right. So, yeah. Now I would guess that there would be a different anxiety. And that would be why you think about your mortality every night if you're going to wake up, how long you're going to live. And that would be a different piece of anxiousness for you. And breathing, the nervousness about breathing. Yeah. Uh, I tell myself that <clears throat> I just don't want to not be able to catch my breath. It would be like drowning. Mm -hmm. I think of that, and I think, ooh, that, that would be horrible. That's panicky. And I don't, I don't want to go through that. So how, how do you go with COPD? I'm hoping that I'll just sleep and be gone. <laughs> Not wake up. Not wake <laughs> up, yeah. No pain, no strain. And, uh, and I, th I think about that. But I don't know that I have anxiety. Well, I guess it's a type of anxiety. What's anxiety? I have to look it up in the dictionary. Do you know? I think it's somewhere related to worry. Worry. Yeah. Concern. Concern, but to a point where it makes you feel all clenched up inside. Well, I'm good at having at the beginning of clench, but I can get rid of it. How do you do that? <laughs> I just like I can just click something in my brain. Turn it off. Yeah. 
And honestly, you've always been pretty good at tuning out Mm -hmm. before the little white helpers. You Mm -hmm. could always, she always been able to just, dad would come in and she would tune him out if she wanted to. Boom, gone. But that's a shutting down of something on some level. Yeah. Survival skill. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I just wondered if you had any other thoughts on, I don't know, just depression in your life and the stage in your life that you'd like to share with our audience. <laughs> I don't. Can't think of anything. Uh, I really can't. Other than, like, not being able to get my breath. I just hope it's easy. But I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of uh, going to heaven, if there is a heaven. I think about that. Is there really a heaven? And if there is a heaven, it's got to be so jammed full of people (laughs) that I won't find anybody I know. And, you know, that's a bunch of hooey. And is there a God, and, and is God a big white-haired fella? No. Is he a big gaseous cloud? You know, it's all so unknown. And, uh, and all these, these ideas are just things that have been put into my brain since the time I was a little girl, either through someone else's imagination or my own. I can remember when I was a little girl, about fourth grade, and my mom had her lady friend over, and they were sitting in the front window uh, in their chairs talking, and and uh, like mothers do. And, and I was drawing at the other end of the living room, and I drew me, a little girl, and I drew a staircase. This went on all the way up from the bottom of the page up to the very top, and up at the top was heaven. And I, and I took it down to my mom, and I said, Look, look what I drew, Mom. This is me. This is me going up to heaven. And, and the other lady and my mother looked at each other. Oh, you know, oh, isn't that nice? And like, didn't quite know what to say. <laughs> I love that image. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so, so innocent and so morbid at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, God. But, you know, I wasn't frightened by it. You know, it was just uh, a little idea. <laughs> and uh, And that's about how I feel about death, because nobody's come back to tell me anything different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like that's actually kind of an amazing note to end this show on. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the Depression Session. You're so welcome, Laura. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. 
You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you. You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM.